Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Andrew Hahn is apparently uh, drowned in the uh, uh, rain here in L.A. So I will say what he usually says, which is I'm supposed to say it's uh, you're supposed to rate, review, and subscribe, etc., etc. Um, he's just not available at the time for whatever mm. reason. Um, unacceptable, I know. That, uh, that hmm comes from Band McMahon. Uh, who is in Dallas uh, this morning after an interesting Dallas game last night against the Spurs. And we'll be talking about some stuff going on with the Mavericks off the court in a little bit. Um, but uh, Jackie McMullen is with us in Boston, where we had a heck of a game uh, last night with Thanks. the Raptors and Celtics. And then it kind of took a back seat to... Uh, I would use the word astonishing um, comment uh, by Kyrie Irving after the game that uh, uh, recently he's had some issues with some teammates. He's had some issues with his with his coaching staff and play calls and and trying to be a leader, etc. And you know they had a game over the weekend in Orlando where he didn't get the last shot and demonstratively uh, groused about it. And he revealed last night that um, he called LeBron James and not only called LeBron James for alleged, you know, advice or whatever, but called him to apologize for being headstrong as a young player uh, five years ago. I guess, yeah, five years ago when he when LeBron first came to the Cavs and Kyrie was, you know, still a young guy learning his way in the league and Jackie um uh, and, and by the way, uh, LeBron was astonished that the call came in too. Uh, he couldn't believe it. Um, and felt that it was genuine, uh, felt that Kyrie was being sincere, just did not expect it from what I am told. Um, Jackie, first off, what do you think about when Kyrie said that? And, and what do you think about what he said? Well, it was quite surprising. Uh, it's funny because uh, Mr. Bontemps and myself were both in Philadelphia the night before uh, for the Jimmy Butler and the Sixers beatdown of of the Timberwolves, and we were talking about this. We were talking about this very topic about Kyrie and leadership and what would he do next, and and we were both sort of hearkening back to a comment he had made to me earlier. And I don't know if you, I think we talked about it on the pod when he said. I'm still figuring out this leadership stuff. And remember, he made reference to LeBron back then. I don't know if you recall this, but he was saying, so then when I'm, when LeBron comes in, I'm looking at, do, do I want to be a philanthropist like him? Do I want to lead like him? And of course, he wanted to be anything but LeBron. That he was, we know this. He was, you know, pushing back on that all the way. So I do think it's an interesting, uh, way to come around to this. I'm not as shocked as maybe, Outside people are only because I've just had so many conversations with Kyrie over the last couple of weeks about leadership and how hard it is and how in retrospect, when you look back, when you were a young player and you're chafing at some of people that are imposing their will upon you as LeBron did, that now you, you understand a little better where he's coming from. What I thought was, was equally astonishing, Brian, and of course the, Le, 
the LeBron comments are dominating the news today. But what I thought was more significant for the Boston Celtics was his willingness to apologize to Jalen Brown. To me, that was almost more significant, to be frank. Well, so I think there's two ways to look at this. There's sort of a pure way to look at this, which is to take the comments at face value. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, We were just talking to our producer, Kyrie, a second ago. He was very complimentary, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, 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 somebody who was sort of showing some maturity and admitting past mistakes, and it was a good step forward. And then there's the cynical view, which um, maybe I shouldn't take the cynical view. Maybe I should take them at face value. Uh, But I will just tell you that one of the things I was thinking about was the Celtics just had this great win over the Raptors, um, arguably their biggest win of the season, certainly their biggest win since the last time they beat the Raptors at home, um, coming off this bad road trip where they, you know, were coming apart a little bit. Um, and Kyrie is not talking about his teammates or his game. He's talking about LeBron. And then the, you know, the way I look at it is he's basically saying, in my viewpoint, um, huh, well, I, I'm sorry that I was a young punk, LeBron. Uh, now I got to deal with these young punks and I get it. Um, and I st- still think it was kind of a, a way of putting himself above his teammates because he's saying, I'm LeBron now. And now that I'm LeBron in this role, I can understand that it's tough to deal with these little Kyrie let like punks. Um, but I understand that that's not the way a lot of people are going to see it. And maybe I shouldn't see it that way. McMahon, which, how should I see it? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should not be cynical. Are, are, are you that. asking me if I should take it at face value or a cynical view? I mean, do you really need to ask? Of well, course I'm taking a <laughs> cynical view. I mean, yeah. it's a, it is a passive aggressive jab at his teammates. And like you said, it's basically saying, look, I get it. I understand. And, you know, I used to be that immature young punk, and because of that, it broke up a, a, a team that was a perennial uh, finals team. Um, and you know, I think it's basically a uh, a, a way to kind of say to his teammates, while being you know publicly kind of critical of himself and self aware or whatever, look, get your act together, or this this ain't going to work. Huh? Very interesting. I don't. I don't reject. I mean, you, you're around. You're around Kyrie a lot more than we are. Yeah, you're around Kyrie a lot more than we are now. I don't reject what you're saying. Of course, everybody thought of the same exact thing that you guys are bringing up here, because what it does is it does a lot of things. Right? It's a big win. It diffuses this idea that we're not on the same page. That I can't be humble enough to uh, meet my teammates halfway and realize when I was wrong. I mean, the big thing was what he did was so wrong. He questioned Brad Stevens in the huddle. He questioned Gordon Hayward at the end of that game. It was a bad, bad, bad look. He knew it. The people around him knew it. The people closest to him knew it. And his teammates knew it. And so he had to make that right. Okay? So if this is how he chooses to do it, frankly, I don't really have a problem with it because you were around him, Brian, when when, when LeBron James was the absolute bane of his existence. So... Regardless of what his motives are for saying all this, it's still pretty significant. And it's still pretty, I think it's, it's, I'm going to use the word self-aware. And, and we can add that it, the, the cynic, we could, we, I, I'm, I'm not going to reject that out of hand. 
But I do think that I, I, I thought it was interesting because, you know, you can look at it two ways. You guys are saying that it, it deflected away from the biggest win of the year. Well, think about that. He played unbelievably he in this game. Yes. He, that shot, that three, he hit over Kawhi Leonard. And, and like, I was laughing because Jeff Gunn, he's like, oh, that was a good contest by Kawhi. No, it wasn't. Kawhi was looking <laughs> back, and he's like, I got him. And he nailed it over him. 18 assists, career high. So I would say this. If he's so self-involved, and so why is he right talking about this when he perhaps had the greatest game, certainly the greatest game of his Celtic career, and maybe one of the best games he's ever played? For sure. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a great performance. By the way, I went back and looked it up. It took Kyrie five games to get to 18 assists, his first five games with LeBron, which is one of the things that <laughs> drove LeBron crazy. And again, sure. the fact that Kyrie sure. would have 18 assists in a game, not only that he would have 18 assists, but in a game where he was so hot offensively, I think that showed growth too. But I'm, go ahead, McMahon. Yeah, maybe self-involved isn't, isn't the way to put it. Maybe this is a, a savvy, uh, productive way to get his message across Without you know, while kind of without a hammer, you know, uh, to to delicately get his message across and to kind of relate to his teammates in a way of putting himself publicly out there. You know, I, I I've been in that situation, and you know, maybe it is a uh, not a not a selfish act. Maybe this is a a case of good, smart savvy leadership that that could be effective you know I, I do think it's interesting though that it was hayward was the one that that he was barking at on the floor hayward's not a young player you know that that's not jalen brown that's not terry rosier that's not you know one of these well, he was well, mad he didn't throw the inbound know, to yeah him. that was just right. that was just pure frustration the way the play that the, that play could run and you guys know this you saw where Kyrie was supposed to get the ball to al al rubs off Kyrie gets either an open three, which I think is what he wanted. I think he wanted to try to win that game, not tie it and go into overtime. He could have driven to the basket. So that was just, I think that was just a, an emotional response to the guy that didn't allow the play to run out. I think that's what frustrated Kyrie because it wasn't that Jason Tatum got an open shot. I think he's fine with that. He and Tatum are tight. I think it was more like, why aren't you letting the play run out? Why are you throwing to that, that option there? Why don't you wait? And I also think, and you know what? I have a little sympathy for Kyrie in this regard, although I would never handle it the way he did. He was wrong. He knew it. He's admitted it. You know, if I'm Kyrie Irving, I've come here. I've taken all this on. I am your undisputed leader. I am your best offensive player by not a mile, like 10 miles, like a marathon. Okay? It's not even close. He's the best closer they have. It's, there's nobody else even close. Why aren't you running that play for me at the end of the game? Yeah. I think well, it's that's, a what fair point. I, that's what LeBron would have said. That's what LeBron would have said. Well, that's right. And that's the interesting thing about this, isn't it? Is that for all the griping that, and all the sniping and all the complaints Kyrie had about LeBron, he's starting to realize, you know what? I think LeBron had this right. Well, yeah. I agree that, I, I mean, there was all kinds of, out of that game, there was all kinds of hypocrisy from Kyrie. And at least I think he's, I give him credit for acknowledging that it was hypocrisy and that he's recognized it. And, I think it's fair to say that we all are different at age 22 than we are at 26 or 27, whatever he is. I will also say, though, and I don't want to belabor the history on this, um, but just to kind of give more well-rounded view of Kyrie's departure from Cleveland. Um, and LeBron gave an interview recently, I believe it was to The Athletic, where he said that um, 
uh, he couldn't get anybody to Cleveland, and that was one of the reasons he wanted to leave. And he talked about not wanting to trade Kyrie. Um, you know, it wasn't just Kyrie who wasn't ready to commit to Cleveland long term uh, the year he was traded. It was LeBron who wasn't ready to commit to Cleveland because the Cavs were trying to trade for Paul George. And Dan Gilbert came to LeBron and said, I'll do this Paul George trade and give up a first round pick. Um, if you commit to staying beyond this season so that I don't risk losing you and Paul George after a year. And LeBron refused to do so. Now, there's nuance in that because LeBron's relationship with Dan Gilbert was checkered, to say the least, over the previous decade. You can't just look at it in a vacuum. But before Le- before Kyrie was traded and said, I get me out of here, LeBron did not commit to Cleveland either. Um, so I-, I would just say that LeBron's plan was to, and he said as much, was to hand the reins to Kyrie. Like his his concept, at least the way LeBron spins the narrative, was that I was going to play at the top of my game for a few more years, and as I faded, I would hand over the reins to Kyrie, and Kyrie would take control. Um, and it all seemed like it was a nice package, but LeBron wasn't committing to staying in Cleveland with Kyrie at that point either. So when it comes to the concept that if Kyrie had just realized these air of his ways a few years ago, that the Cavs would still be together, as I'm starting to see revisionist history start to play out here, I don't think that's a fair representation of the situation. Uh, and I will defend Kyrie on that point. But okay, Jackie, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, so you have to remember whether it's true. So I've always said there's truth and the perception of truth. And in this case with Kyrie, because uh, I did that story with him when he, when he came to Boston, whatever it was now, he was convinced and remains convinced, maybe, maybe not now, maybe now because he's so enlightened, that, that LeBron wanted him gone, that LeBron wanted him traded, that LeBron wanted to bring in his guys. And that's when he decided to go. It wasn't that the, it wasn't the, Gilbert was maybe going to train. The fact that he thought LeBron wanted him moved on. And now LeBron denies that that was ever the case. I asked him myself. But that's that's truth and perception of truth. And I don't know which is which in this particular instance. Maybe we'll never know. But that is an important point when you start talking about why Kyrie left Cleveland. But we should really move on from that. It was a while ago. I agree, but boy, he just opened it right back up. I mean, you know, didn't he? And, and, though? Didn't he? And I mean, I wasn't yep. at the press conference. I was at the Jazz Clipper game last night. But uh, some people who were there said that Jeff Twist, the longtime um, Celtics um, head of media relations, head of PR, was trying to end the interview. And I think he, th- right. my guess is that he thought Kyrie wouldn't want to talk about this because. Why does Kyrie want to talk about LeBron, you know, years later? And Kyrie said, no, no, I'm okay. I'll keep talking about it. Um, So Kyrie obviously was had put some thought into how he was going to present this uh, and maybe was just waiting for his next great game to roll it out. I don't know. I'm I'm speculating on that. Right. But I think I think to your guy's point, that makes some sense, doesn't it? Because this is what we're talking about today. And, and, you know, one win isn't going to make everything right with Boston. I'm not sure. I have my doubts whether they're ever going to get there this year at this late date. But this is a, you know, that was a huge game for them last night for a bunch of reasons, a bunch of reasons. Um, Yeah, so, and and again, in a a weird, strange way, because of the comments, and I, I mean, maybe it's not responsible, but this is just the nature of the NBA, 
we're not talking about this incredible win where the Celtics right. completely outplayed the Raptors down the stretch in a playoff style game that um, if these two teams see each other in the playoffs, uh, the Celtics are going to know that they got two wins on their home court against Toronto, which um, you know, Toronto has been the class of the East since essentially the first week of the season. And, you know, Boston has been all over the place. So it was a, it was a great win. You know, Hayward, he had a great first half. Um, uh, Al Horford had a tremendous game. Um, you know, even though I know he's on 100%, that was a tremendous game. Um, there was a lot of stuff going positively for the Celtics in that one. And Yeah, don't forget Baines. A- I'm telling you, remember we talked about this before. Having Baines back in that lineup changes everything. You have toughness. You stop the interior leaking. Your defense is better. Your rotations are better. Uh, and he, he only played 14 minutes, but it was it was a, a really big deal. And don't be surprised now if Al sits down here soon to rest that bulky knee now that Baines is back. Yeah, don't you've you've mentioned that. Uh, okay, well we'll keep monitoring that. I, I assume there'll be follow ups. The thing about it is LeBron has not spoken to the media in a month um, right. because he's been out with injury and. Um, uh, he, he is not on this road trip with the, well, I mean, he might be on the road trip, but he's, you know, he's not playing on this road trip with the Lakers. So, um, you know, we'll see if he responds to it. Um, uh, I know that I'm going to ask you know, him Monday, when, Brian, when I see him, I'm going to ask him Monday. Yeah. When I, when I talked to the LeBron guys last night, I did not talk to him directly, but I talked to the LeBron guys. They were, they were with him when they, when the call came in. Um, he didn't take the call, mm-hmm. uh, when they were there, but, you know, LeBron, LeBron showed them his phone. Um, Joe uh, Varden from The Athletic uh, had talked to Kevin Love about it in Portland last night. Kevin Love was there. They were at a restaurant here in L.A. The Cavs were in town over the weekend, and Love had dinner with LeBron and his and his associates, and Love was there too. And um, Joe Varden wrote about Love's reaction, like, why is Kyrie calling me? You know, um, yeah, he ended yeah, up, yeah. I guess he called That's him funny. back later. I'll be interested to hear what LeBron says about it. From what I understand, LeBron was thought that it, that it was it was genuine, and so my my expectation would be, and there's no reason for him not to, because he's he's done nothing but praise Kyrie um, publicly, at least um, ever since he left. He's he's not ever really brought out any claws. So, uh, McMahon, you were in Dallas last night, and um, it was a good game between the Spurs and. Uh, and Mavs, Doncic had another terrific performance. Um, he continues to one of the things that he does, Tim. That uh, that I um, I I just am so impressed with is he has such a control of his speed. You know, one of the things you see with young point guards is they only kind of know how to go full bore. He has such a um, a finesse to the way he can go fast, go slow, create angles. Uh, I I just I just do. I I almost believe he can't get much better because he looks like such a polished player, which I just don't believe. But that's not what I think was fascinating about last night. What you want to tell us about your uh, your day yesterday on the on the Mavs uh, beat? Well, Dennis Smith Jr. Obviously, the Mavericks are trying hard to trade him, and the problem is everybody in the league knows that they are desperately trying to move him. And it's really hard to get value there. And it's, you know, you don't want to trade. And they've known for weeks. I mean, you know, you've had a couple of stories recently about it, but you waited, you know, you knew before that too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's intensified. I mean, look, you know, the rumors have been out there. I mean, not even rumors, just like 
it was just a, a kind of known around the league. Hey, the Mavs are shopping Dennis Smith Jr. and it, and it's intensified, but clearly there's not an offer that they like because he's still on the roster, just not at the arena. This mysterious back injury apparently is healed. Now he is <coughs> sick, uh, which is right. So just you know, to recap. He was he was out three games, totally away from the team, not to be seen with the back. No, he, he actually was at the home games then. Didn't okay, travel with them though. And okay. then uh, you know, Woj and I reported that some trade talks were intensifying, and that you know, essentially this is this is a case of the relationship with Dennis uh, and Rick Carlisle has run its course, and his agent called in sick for him the next day at practice. Uh, he wow. called in sick again wow. yesterday, and he's tweeting about, you know, oh, yeah, a fan like saw him at lunch, out at lunch and tweeted him. He's like, yeah, great to meet you, my guy. You know, so he's out there, you know, kind of hanging out at lunch and too sick to come to the arena. Uh, you know, they could kind of use use him, even though Luca's clearly the point guard of the future because, you know, J.J. Beret went down. They're still winless without Beret this year. Uh, so, yeah, they could they could use him. And, look. This is a situation, he has not been banished from the Mavericks. This is not a case of the Mavericks saying, hey, stay home, we're trying to trade you, we don't want you to get hurt. This is a case of Dennis Smith Jr. deciding, I'm, I'm done here, you know, let, let's get a trade going, I don't want to play. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, they're not practicing today, they are going to Indiana for a game tomorrow. It's going to be very interesting to see. If uh, if he makes that uh, if he makes that trip or not, um, but it's you know it, and look. Some is there a say, flu going around Dallas right now at all? I, mm, I mean, I've got the sniffles, but I, I I'm showed I'm showing up for work. <laughs> um, some people say this is a case of and and like depending on who you ask, it, it, the the blame. Okay, is this Rick being too tough on him? Is this Rick deciding that you know he didn't like the guy and basically, you know, beating him down and you know just to add another body to the Rick Carlisle point guard graveyard? Or is this you know <laughs> is this is this a, a kid who was handed the keys way too early last year? Kind of got a sense of entitlement and really hadn't handled. Uh, what m- might be perceived as a demotion, certainly being overshadowed. I mean, look, it's Luka Doncic is so by far the best player on the team. It's not even funny. And I mean, Dennis, he's never going to be as good as Luka is now. So there, there's not like a, it's not like any kind of debate. Still, it's unusual to give up on a. It well. It's it's unusual to give up on a top ten pick in year two. Uh, I mean, obviously yeah. it's happened, but I mean, right. it's especially a guy who's played okay. I mean, and, and if here's you the thing. Donnie Nelson um, doesn't want to give up on him. But at this yeah, but point, yeah, at this point, what are you going to do? Like, right? Yeah, I mean, he's Tim. He's refusing to play it, for you. Yeah, and Rick, we know Rick. You know him. I know him. Mm-hmm. Like, when he makes up his mind, man, there's no going back. There's no going back. I, I don't yeah, see. That's the thing. Like, that we he have made up his mind about look. McMahon years ago. Well, you know what? <laughs> and, and at the beginning of yesterday's. Uh, pre-game press conference, I said, I said, what's the situation with Dennis? And he said, uh, we've made a trade. We're sending McMahon out. So he's trying to get rid of me, but it, I, I got a no-trade clause, so good luck with that. But the two that. of you have had many back and forths over the years. I mean, um, you flew in his plane with him, which I always thought was what I mean, of your of your of all your great stories over the years, 
your pedicure with Rudy Gobert and you flying with Rick Carlisle where Carlisle was flying the plane. Those are two memorable ones right there. Um, I thought about you yesterday with Gobert. I was was examining Gobert's feet in the the lock. Yeah, I know. Oh, they're, a great yeah, they're skis. So, <laughs> Tim, so Tim, just like let's try to explain to people why, like even in his rookie year, as great as Dennis Smith Jr. was, we saw some he wasn't of this, great. Right? Can you just he, he, yeah? Can yeah. you just ex- just like let's expound for people who don't follow the league quite as closely right. as, as we do, perhaps why Dennis Smith has fallen off? I think. We and look, here, here's the here's the thing, Dennis last year. Put up okay numbers, not efficient, but they were the numbers were inflated by garbage time, and they were and that honestly just killed Rick because you know for marketing purposes you wanted him to inflate his numbers, but it felt like okay, all it's doing is reinforcing terrible habits, um, you know, and and it's been it's been awkward between those two for a good year now at least. Um, and then, you know, now coming in, you've got obviously De- Luca's going to be the guy. Everything for the next, they hope, 15 years, 20 years is going to be about, okay, how does this guy fit with Luca? What's the fit? It's built around Luca, right. and as it should be, sure. Luca's got a chance to be an MVP caliber player. I mean, he's already, right. you know, I don't Agreed. think he's an all star this year, but if he was in the East, he sure as hell would be. But he might get in. He still might get in. Yeah, he might. He might. I mean, he's he's putting up amazing numbers. But the the fit between Luca and Dan, you know, they play Fortnite together. I I don't. My understanding is there's no issues with them personally. But I do think that Dennis has kind of stewed a little bit about he's not the star they're building around. And the simple fact is the offense sucks with Dennis on the floor. It's awful. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that he's shooting the ball much better than last year, as one person put it to me yesterday, he kills the rhythm of the game. You know, he's Uh he's it's pound 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 when they're trying to. Boy, it sounds like somebody I want to trade for. Well, and and again, and so here's your problem: you're talking about a flawed player who came into the league with questions about, okay, you know, is he coachable? You know, some some bad habits. But certainly an explosive player. Yeah, but an explosive talent. But, you know, and and now you know Dallas is really desperate to to move him. They're in a bad situation here where the entire league knows they've they've been trying to move him, uh, you know, that there's some some major issues there. And so good luck getting decent value there. And so, you know, Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban are, are determined at this point we're not taking 50 cents on the dollar. And so, look, there might – it's going to be fascinating. There might be a situation where Dennis Smith Jr. and Rick Carlisle have to kind of shake hands and, and, and move on for at least the rest of the season, and they'll revisit, obviously, all the trade discussions this summer. I do believe that Rick would be willing to do that. I don't know at this point, and, I, you know, honestly, I, it's uh, the communication from his camp has been – uh, non-existent, not only to, to, to Rick Carlisle, but to me. Uh, I, I don't know if Dennis is willing to do that at this point. And hmm. that doesn't help make, you know, that, that doesn't help make it any easier to move him. Right. I'm going to play Dennis' well, advocate for one second, yeah. just for one second. Because um, I'm, I'm going to pretend I'm Dennis Smith. Mm-hmm. I'm 21. Is that right, Tim? I'm 21 yep, years old. Just turned 21. Yep. 21 years old. 
I, I came into this league to great, you know, I, I had a great rookie year. I think I'm all that. Like, stand in line. Everybody in the league, the reason they got here is they think that. And now all of a sudden this incredible talent comes in. And as good as he probably knows Luka Doncic is, that is a really hard thing yeah. to deal with. So what do you do? You come in and you jack up as many shots as you can to get your numbers back up. So I can see how this could happen. I We forget sometimes how young these these guys are. But you know what? He's not and, even jacking up a bunch of shots. Like his shots are way down from last year, and and the shooting is is much better. It's just the he really does like the the offensive rating with him on the floor points per possessions plummets. I, saw I mean, it's it. bad. Yeah, it's really bad. I saw that. Yeah, I just I have a little sympathy for him. I'm not saying he's handling this properly. He's not. Right. But um, I have sympathy for these kids. They're they're young and and they they think they're on their way to stardom and then all of a sudden it's like yeah wait no this kid is so much better and we're not even sure if you belong here that's tough that's tough well and I also think that he's a kid who is is oh you know he's always had the ball in his hands he's always kind of just been allowed to kind of do whatever he he wants to do he doesn't know he's trying to he tried to adjust he's trying to you know play off the ball, play a different way. He has made drastic improvements as a defender this year from god-awful to actually uh, very solid, sometimes even outstanding. But I also think he's a guy who gets a lot of bad advice. You know, he's a guy who, I mean, I I personally don't give a crap about players taking money from agents in college, but, you know, if you're one and done and all that, then I don't. Well, that's like, that's I, rampant. I, hope, I mean, that that goes on yeah. for. I would say majority of the NBA probably got some sort of right. well, questionable he, he, benefit. He, he, he got he got caught up in that. You know, I I think he. I don't know. He's he, he's he got caught up in it because who, there happened to be a, a, a an investigation when he he got unlucky. I, I think it's right. Relatively commonplace. I, I actually, um, I couldn't be more fine with it. I wish they would just make it. I, honestly, I, I agree. I wish they'd make it legal. I wish they'd go to the Olympic model and they could have endorsement deals. I wish they'd get a cut of their coach's shoe deals. But, uh, he's, uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to shut up because what I'm trying to say, I can't say delicately. All right. Well, let me ask you some, so much. about the Mavericks. The Mavericks to me are one of the teams that are on the fence. For this trade deadline, um, the, the one of the things that's developing in the market out there right now is that there's a bunch of buyers. You know, you've got teams like the Pelicans, the the Pistons, the Kings, who are on the bubble for the playoffs, who are really, really desperate to get in. Um, and you, you just you don't have a lot of sellers. And the teams that are quote unquote sellers, the Cavs, the Suns, um, that are at the absolute bottom end, uh, they've already kind of done their selling. The Cavs have made two trades. The Suns have uh, traded Ariza and they bought out Tyson Chandler. So if a team was willing to be a seller right now, they potentially could find a market that would be not so bad, especially for rentals. Yeah. Um, and the the Mavericks have some potential rentals. Uh, Harrison Barnes, uh, Wes Matthews. Barnes, uh, is, uh, Barnes has a player option next year at 25 mil. That's, that's no rental. Well, okay, but I mean you Wes, can't – Wes is the guy who they're trying to package with Dennis to, just for an example right. – they would pull the trigger on an, on a Wes and Dennis Smith uh, for Aaron. Gordon I want to add one thing to that. Um, they're also trying to package. They're also trying to get somebody to take Berea. Uh, they've they've talked about that in, in some uh, deals with Dennis Smith in the last week. Right, and um, obviously that's just a, a salary filler because you know JJ's unfortunately out for the season. Yeah, yeah, maybe. For um, so what about the Tristan question- Thompson? 
What about Tristan Thompson, right? If I'm the Cavaliers, I'm listening to offers for Tristan Thompson, aren't I? And aren't teams like Houston and the Raptors and other people potentially interested in Tristan Thompson? Everybody in Cleveland except for Colin Sexton is probably available. They would be a little bit protective of Jetty Osman, um, but I don't think that he's untouchable. I just think they probably overvalue him. Um, yeah. Tristan has a bunch of money owed to him. I think if they could get a I deal, I think the, yeah. the the Cavs you, you, uh, posi- the Cavs position, Jackie, is that they will take on any money that you want for next season. Uh, they will go all the way up to the tax line for next season, uh, right. but they don't want to take on any money for the following year. So sure, um, right. but they want to be compensated for taking that on. So if you if you want to dump a bad contract for next year and you also want to get a player who can help you in right now and Tristan Thompson, they'll do it. But they uh, they expect to be compensated for that um, freight, and that's where things can get dicey. Um, but yeah, to sure. me, like, like I just know the Kings would love to have Harrison Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that can work out, I don't know. Um but the thing that complicates the Mavs situation, why I think they're one of the most fascinating teams going to the deadline, is that their their, their draft pick situation. So their pick is top yeah. five protected, and you know one of the reasons why you would you know go from being on the bubble to going in in uh, into tank mode is because you knew you were get your better draft pick. Well, unless they trade everybody and like shut Luca down, I don't think they're getting to bottom five. So that complicates yeah, and they, they want to get re- they want to have that pick move this year because they want to have that flexibility uh, going forward. I mean, they that that protection was designed to get rid of that pick this year. And, and well, they, they also, want to move it, but they also don't want to end up moving it if it's the seventh pick. <laughs> you know, they'd rather have it move as the thir- as the twelfth or thirteenth pick. I would think. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, and they and they also they look they want you know they, they want to start to reestablish a culture of winning, you know, um, right? But that's I, why I, it, that's look, why they're in a fascinating spot. But they've lost thirteen of eighteen, and they're now zero and six in games that Brea misses, and he's going to miss the rest of the year. I mean, there's they have about a zero point zero one percent chance of making the playoffs. Matter of fact, yes, but what's their chance of getting down to the bottom five if they if they dumped everybody? I mean, this is a conversation uh, they've had to have, right? I mean, yeah, uh, honestly, as good as Luke is, I don't, I don't know that that's possible. Well, that's okay. That's the thing. I, so I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, that's the uh, that's the, the bottom line. Spot. We're going to keep an eye on that. Um, so I want to stay in Texas. Um, uh, he, yes, Andrew. Station identification and commercials on some platforms. Brian, while we're waiting, can you tell us that story about how Kobe Bryant called Kyrie Irving once to apologize? Which is one of the reasons why Kyrie um, only does FaceTime with Kobe now, because of that call. Um, so, um, so in Houston, uh, James Harden, now they, they lost last night. I didn't see any of the game because I was at pregame for the Jazz I read about that crazy game with the Nets. It was a tremendous win for the Nets. Uh, from what I read, Spencer Dinwiddie had an incredible uh, flourish at the end and and a huge win in Houston for the Nets. The Nets are, I think they're back to 500. Uh, one of the great success. Really well. 
really one of the well. great success really stories well. of the league this year. And you know, we talk about teams at the trade deadline. The Nets are out there looking as well, but um, there's a possibility that their arguably best player, Karis Levert, can rejoin them later in the season. And to be honest with you, it's not out of the realm of possibility of of seeing the Nets not forget about the eighth seed. They keep playing like this. They're going to climb those ranks. They're a six seed right now. Oh, there's this, they're in the six. 23 and um, 23 is good enough for the six seed in the East. <laughs> well, that I don't think they'll get to the five, um, but somebody's going to get to the six uh, amongst that, you know, yeah. conglomeration of teams. It may be the Nets. Um, so, um, but I'm more interested in Houston. James Harden, 58 points last night. Um, he's got uh, 57 and 58 this week, and none of his buckets have been assisted. That is what I was going to say. That is a jaw-dropping, uh, you know, statistic scenario situation. Um, I don't. There's just this. This Jackie. This kind of reminds me of. Um, during the finals in 2015, which was LeBron's first year back in Cleveland, the first Warriors-Cavs finals where right. Love yeah. was out and, and Kyrie got hurt. Um, and so they played the last uh, five games of the series with LeBron just doing everything. And LeBron was putting up these preposterous like 46-point triple-doubles. Right. And his usage right. rate was like 84%. And he was saying after the game um, – and by the way, he was also shooting like – 13 of 38, like Harden is these games, although he was better last night. I think he had, I didn't think he had that many shot attempts, but, um, and I remember LeBron lamenting. Yeah. LeBron was lamenting, like, I don't like playing basketball this way. It's not efficient. It's not the way it's meant to be played, but this is our only choice right now. So I will do it. Um, this is what it reminds me of what Harden is doing. And, uh, LeBron barely made it to the end of that finals. It was, you know, they, they actually were up briefly 2-1. The first two games he did it that way they won, but, um, there's no way this is sustainable. No, no, uh, but no am way I wrong? Well, no, you're not, not from, go ahead, Jackie. No, Tim, it's your, man, this is your area code, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you have to say, how much gas can he have in his tank? And, you know, CP3 is coming back. They've tentatively targeted uh, a week from Friday when the Raptors are in town. Obviously, they will err on the side of caution if he's not, you know, 100% ready. And that, look, it's obviously James's team. It's not like they're going to – and even last year it was James's team. But CP3 coming back at least gives them another playmaker, another, you know, guy who can uh, take a little bit of that burden off of James. But, you know, the the one thing I will say is he is efficient right now. I mean, he has been extremely efficient during this stretch. It's it, I, it's funny. I, I, I refer to it as being a, an efficient volume scorer. You know, we're talking about he's averaging, uh, what is it, over 20, I think 21 games now. He's averaging over 40 points per game. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it right now. His uh, effective field goal percentage there is 54. True shooting percentage is 62.7. Because the difference is he is jacking up so many threes. You know, and it's just it's that Daryl Morey math game. That's what's so, like people, and obviously he's getting in the line a ton. But to me, the most amazing thing about this run 
is just the number of threes that he's able to generate unassisted, you know, obviously step back galore off the dribble. He's jacking up 15, 16, 18, 20 threes a night. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I don't so mean that's what I mean efficient with yeah, go ahead. I was go ahead say, Chris Herring's story today, for those of you who haven't seen it, should mm-hmm. read it. It's about Willie Burnout. And this we were talking about ISO plays. Uh, and we, we, we he writes, Chris Herring, six hundred and ninety one direct isolation plays is more than any other NBA team. Okay? <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. Not more than another player, another team. There's not one NBA team that runs more ISOs collectively than James Harden has <laughs> in this season. That's that's incredible. I will tell you this. I remember talking to Mike Tantoni when we when the whole thing started with CP3 and Harden and, and his goal. Remember, he was going to stagger them, and, of course, that's a moot point because Chris has been hurt uh, a good portion of the season. But I remember sitting in Tony's office and him being adamant with me that he did not want James Harden to average more than 34 minutes a game. Because he thought if he did, it was going to yeah. disrupt everything they were trying to accomplish. And he's averaging upwards of 37 minutes a game overall. And then over the last few games, Tim, you can tell me better, probably higher than that. He's in the 40s. So this is, a, yeah, this, 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 is a, right, so this is a big red flag for the Rockets and what they want to accomplish. Because because as we've said so many times, it matters what happens at the end, not during these dog days in the middle. Now, I understand why it's happening. Because Capella's out. Chris is out. I mean... Gordon's Gordon came out. back last night. Didn't have to leave early, right? So you, so you know what I'm saying? It's um, Daniel House is in the G League. Yeah, yeah a, a fill-in starter went to the G League because they couldn't agree on a on a deal for him. Right. So, but that, um, those minutes so it, are too high, and it's going to come back to it's going to come back to bite the and and the, you know, look, he played uh, he played 44 at Golden State. Well, he had to play five in overtime. He played 45 last right. night. Had to play five in overtime. And I'm sure he doesn't mind, but he but. But because the players never mind, right? Because they're like, I right. can I can soldier through. But to your point, um, Brian, we saw what happened with LeBron. Even the best, even the greatest. I'm sorry. And what's the thing? Like history. Yeah, Harden's history has been he fa- he is faded in playoffs. Oh, big time, big time. I mean, you know, like, so like, it's absolutely like on one hand, like to have 57 points in one game and then 58 points in the next, or what it was 58, 57, whatever it was. Yeah, 57, 58. Yep. This is historic level scoring. Um, Oh, you know, it's ridiculous. So, so, it's like so, so here's so here's my question: Like when Chris Paul comes back, and it's like, okay, James, let's go back down to you know averaging like twenty eight points a game. No. Uh, how's that going to fly? No, maybe sale, from maybe baby. from averaging forty to thirty five. But it, 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 Chris Paul. Well, that's my is question: Like how is this? How is this going to go? Complimentary player with a max contract. That's just the simple fact of the matter. Well, you spoke. That is a true statement. But that's not necessarily. I mean, that's not necessarily the way Chris Paul has seen it in the past. Well, the other so, thing is, I do think number one, Chris Paul's minutes were completely out of control because remember they didn't sign Austin Rivers until they got desperate because CP3 went down. CP3 was averaging thirty four minutes, which is his most in like five years. Yeah, that's not also happening. Not the again. plan. Yeah, not that's also the not the plan. They he was I, supposed I, to be at thirty, thirty-two, right? Between exactly, 30 and, and they need minutes. to get him back. Yep. That needs to be the max for him. And I, and I would think that they'll, you know, he'll have a minutes restriction. Well, when he comes on. back, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, long no, term, how is this? Gonna, is, I mean, James has now seen the promised land here of uh, full control. Yeah, um, but James had that last year too. You know, I mean, it's it's obviously been 
I mean, it's on, you know, steroids now. Steroids, yeah. It's a, but, this is different. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, I, I don't see there being a power struggle. Chris is, Chris, you know, Chris is the guy who will tell everybody who listen that James is the best offensive player that he's ever seen. You know, and Chris, honestly, is just trying to get to the playoffs healthy. I don't, I, right. I really would be very surprised if there was any sort of power struggle. I would be. I'm not saying it was going to be a power struggle. I'm just, I'm wondering, I'm not saying they're going to be at each other's throats. I'm just saying, I wonder how it's going to functionally work when the guy who's eaten every, been eating everyone's meals for a, a month is now being asked to, you know, go back to his portion. I just, well, historically, that's a, what, that's a challenge. I think it's, I think it's more a concern, like, How's he going to go back at D'Antoni, who's going to tell him, I'm going to cut your minutes. I'm going to take you out. We're going to go back to getting you under control so that – I don't mean under control on the court. I mean just in terms of minutes. I think he's going to get – he's going to feel the blowback more than Chris Paul will. Yeah. I mean they – Not that Chris Mike Paul's cares, most, by the Chris way. Chris Paul's <laughs> most – no, no. Yeah, right. Chris's most valuable minutes are the – they hope about 12 minutes a game where he's running the, the second unit and Harden's resting. Right, right. Well, I remember. Like, Harden getting twelve minutes of rest right now seems like a, a luxury. Oh, like I said, they luxury. hope. <laughs> that, but you know, the funniest thing, like, even last year when they were both healthy, it was amazing how little they actually played together. When you did the math, it was kind of funny when you looked at it. But it made sense to me to have one of those guys on the floor at all times. I mean, that's just absolutely simply, that 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 whole thing is not just broken; it's shattered. It just can't happen anymore. And yeah, well, I was talking to some Jazz folks last night. The Jazz were, uh, they had a really impressive win. Clippers have been good at home this year. The Jazz blew them off the floor. Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, we're in a statistical spot right now where there's some guys putting up crazy yeah. numbers. Uh, you know, Steph Curry is on, uh, a, a Jag. Oh, he's, he's lighting yeah, the league incredible. up. Um, if Harden wasn't putting up Will Chamberlain type numbers, we'd be talking about Curry. You know, clawing into the MVP race, but Harden's just out, out distancing everybody. Um, yeah. It's been easy to miss that Donovan Mitchell is sort of back, and he's sort of back. And and we don't have much time here because we've all got a, a side. I don't want to go into a big jazz thing. I want to tie this to Harden, but um, Donovan Mitchell is kind of back because um, Ricky Rubio is out, and they've got Donovan Mitchell playing point guard. Ricky and, Rubio, Dante Exum, and Howell Neto. <laughs> All three right. of the point guards are out. That's right. Uh, Exum right. is out too. Yeah. And so Donovan Mitchell's playing Exum's point guard. <laughs> and Sorry. it's, uh, he's just, he's back, baby. He's back. And he had another great game last night. I think he had 28. And, um, so you look, you, you know, it's on a lower level, but cause he's got more, way more talent. Cause, uh, 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 Gobert's playing really well and, uh, Jay Crowder yeah, Gobert's and, and, been uh, dominant. And, you know, Corver's uh, helping him. Corver's settled in a little bit off the bench. He's Yeah, Corver and Jay Crowder both had good games last night. It's not comparable. But in talking to the Jazz, I'm like, well, what are you guys going to do when uh, Rubio comes back? Because uh, Donovan's been great running the point. And they're like, no, 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 Donovan, this is wearing him out. Uh, you, know, we, you, know, you know, Joe Ingles will... Uh, you know, help him out a little bit, but, uh, you know, you know, Donovan can't, can't have this, um, um, can't have this, uh, this, this workload for much workload, longer, you know, yeah. we, and so, like, this is not, uh, you know, the Jazz know that Mitchell will maybe take a statistical step back, but it's, it's, it's comparable, but even when you look at what Mitchell is doing, it's not even comparable to what Harden is doing, and 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 Mitchell is younger and spry. And, you know, he's in his second year, right. and they're even, and they're all worried about it. And he's done it for like half the time, 
so like the the concern about burnout is not just a a vogue thing to talk about. It's like a real thing, and oh, um, yeah. and I just think it's you know it's it's just going to be a fascinating watch because um, if Harden gets hurt from overuse. Which our friend Tom Haverstrow is probably tracking the uh, steps he's taking on the court, and he's just a huge believer that when you overuse yourself, you open yourself up to injury. It may not be a fatigue injury, uh, but it look that it looks like, but it actually is. Um, the Rockets are cooked, so there's only so much they can push him. So it's uh, it's really interesting to watch. Um, all right, well, I got to go to Sports Center. Jackie has a commitment. So McMahon. You have to go uh, take, I think, chicken soup to Dennis Smith's house. I think that's your assignment today. <laughs> I, I, I would love it because I would love to hear his side of the story. <laughs> that's interesting. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. We will talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. All right, guys. All right, guys.